Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors, and welcome back to the show. I'm so delighted to be back with you again today as we look at this issue of global investments and how they can lead to greater stability. And our guest, Sana Ra Mies and his brother, Vinzna, are the forces behind Naki Group and NakiTokens.com. And they certainly know about international investment as they have blazed a trail in Cambodia real estate by bringing the scales and perspectives they developed growing up as immigrant children in the United States, where they have worked in the service industry, real estate, and banking sectors. So, Sonora, take us into the show and share a memorable experience that helped you to be who you are today. Awesome. Thank you for having me here today, Alan. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to having an in-depth conversation with you going forward here. Our family were immigrants initially coming to this country. They left during the killing fields and arrived around 1982. And my brother was born in a refugee camp, and I was born here in the States. So first one here, which is pretty amazing and definitely lucky for it. Growing up, my mom and dad worked very, very hard, you know, 12, 16-hour days. My dad was a social worker at first, and then he started in the gas station business. And I think those were really the years where that had a really great effect on me, watching the work ethic of our parents, you know, leaving early morning, coming back late at night, picking us up from school, having dinner at home, just making sure the priorities were straight there, hard work and family as well. And one of the biggest turning points is just watching them overcome every challenge that comes their way. English is not their first language. This is not, you know, their homeland. And being able to open a business, navigate through the whole process, and just take everything as it comes, I think that really has a large effect on my brother and I. There was one time where my dad gave me a contract where he got the franchise into the gas station. And he said, son, I want to open up a coffee stand review this whole contract and see what you can take from it to help me write a new contract for this this new business. You know, it's one of those things we're constantly just pushing ourselves, not in always the traditional sense when we were growing up. Later, of course, I got to go into school and finish college and all that good stuff. And that gave us a, a much a much more in-depth way of knowing how to run things here. But definitely watching our parents work was a big factor in growing up. Yeah, it is often amazing to me how immigrants whose first language is not English, how they come here with essentially nothing and they can do such wonderful, amazing things. And obviously your parents were no exception uh, to that. How old were you when your dad presented you with that uh, first contract? I believe I was in middle school, right around like seventh grade. So it it wasn't uncommon. We, We learned things as we got older. So when you're old enough to move around, you start, you know, stocking the shelves and you know, cleaning the parking lot and making sure everything's good there. And as you get a little bit older, you start running the cash register and then you deal with ordering inventory. And then eventually you get into the accounting side of it. And at the end of the day, you start learning the whole operation and helping wherever we can. So it was a seven day a week type deal for sure. For sure. Well, it's kind of amazing that a seventh grader was presented with a complex contract. I just don't imagine many seventh graders have had that opportunity. (laughs) So you have gone into tokenization of real estate. 
What inspired you to take that particular route? Well, using secure tokens and integrating into our whole process right now has definitely been brand new. And that's not something that we are new at, I would say. Going into Cambodia, Silvertown, our project, it was built in 2014, first of its kind to do a full service condominium, which eventually we later separated the titles, got hard title for each unit and started selling individual units as well. And we set the standard. We've had other people actually compliment us by copying our style and building a building that looks very similar. And it just seemed like the next step in what we're doing. Cambodia has definitely had a lot of growth in recent years. It looks completely different every time I go there. I was lucky enough to go in elementary school and middle school, high school, averaging, you know, once, twice a year. And every time you go, it's just leaps and bounds changes. And right now, of course, it's still behind, you know, Vietnam and Thailand, but that difference is where the opportunity is. And us being Cambodian, you know, we see the opportunity. We get to go there and travel, but not too many people have a chance to go visit for pleasure, let alone for work. And that's where tokenization comes into play. So using blockchain and using modern technology nowadays, we're able to now provide accessibility to these type of investments. And then we are also able to provide transparency as well. That's going to be something that a lot of people don't necessarily get. And I think that's a big concern as well when you're investing into an area you're not familiar with. Mm -hmm. So having everything on blockchain, being able to see ledgers, being able to see how funds are spent, and then having dividends paid out quarterly, net proceeds from sales of units as well, and then having a custodian account based out of, of uh, Singapore and also by being licensed in the states as well, moving the project to the states, governing under U.S. law, we've really set the bar to make this a standard. And we, you know, it's not a one-off project. We're going to do this one, and then we have a lot more in the pipeline as well. Well, that is impressive. Yeah, I don't imagine there's many people in the United States who've ever been to Cambodia, and the whole idea of that seems extraordinarily exotic. And with exotic comes that sense in that feeling of uncertainty and topping that up to the fact that we've never been to that part of the country. I mean, we are, at least most of us have a vague remembrance and understanding of the killing fields and all of the destabilization and everything that came along with the Vietnam conflict there. And so I think just our intuitive sense and feeling of Cambodia and Vietnam and that particularly that Southeast Asian area is this feeling of uncertainty. And so I'm wondering how it is that you have been able to bring these investment opportunities to United States market with all of those seemingly intuitive things against us. Being raised in the States definitely had the advantage, allowing us to understand how business operates here. You know, that's very logical and how we produce things here and how we operate. We, we understand our operating procedures very clearly. And Cambodia, after that whole conflict, there was a long rebuilding period. And it's still going on today. And that was, I think, one of our biggest advantages of going back there. Not only did we take advantage of the opportunity available during the rebuild cycle, but we were also able to implement policy and procedures that are now aligned with how the States does it. Because we, my brother and I were born here, we understand how to work in the States we were able to go back and bring that same logic and the same um, application and then actually train our staff and our employees of how to actually do things to the way we would like it. And by setting that foundation and having the correct training, we're able to now bring that product and then sell it back here in the States because everything is actually done very similarly. And of course, the Cambodian uh, economy is based on the U.S. dollar as well. 
So we use US dollars and, you know, that familiarity with the currency definitely makes things a little bit easier as well. I did not know Cambodia currency was based on the US dollar. How does that work? Not 100%, sorry, not not based. They, uh, they do business in US dollars. So the official currency is in real, but actually conduct transactions in USD. So it makes it a lot easier for us. Yeah. And so with the tokenization, why is it you have actually gone to tokenization? I thought about it in kind of two ways. So I'll bring it back about to about three years ago when I had to actually move back from Cambodia. So I was out there and then, you know, due to some health reasons, I actually had to come back and stay in the States. And of course, everything is good now. But coming back and meeting old friends, meeting old colleagues and people in our network, I you know, was talking to them about everything we we're doing in Cambodia. And a lot of it was very difficult to communicate over. It's not that it, it wasn't with open ears that they were receiving the information. It's just that it wasn't something that they're used to hearing, saying that, oh, we with Silvertown, we did 111 units and we worked on our other project, Woodland, which is 84 units. And another project that we're working on right now is a high rise with 963 units. Mm-hmm. And talking to that with, you know, some of the people here and what we're doing, it was a little bit of a harder conversation. And I think with the amount of growth that we were pushing, I saw the same excitement in the whole blockchain space. So people in blockchain are very excited about this new technology. And I think that applies to basically anything. Anytime something new comes out and people are excited, they're open a lot of different ideas and they are open to seeing how you can really pull things together. And I think that excitement and that open-mindedness is why I thought the two would work very well together. Mm-hmm. There's definitely a mutual benefit. Cambodia has a lot of opportunity. It's just not presented to a lot of people. And blockchain allows for a lot of people to see things very clearly in a very transparent way. And I think by combining the two together, is just where the market is going to go. Not only is blockchain going to make investments a lot better in the States, but I think it's going to open up a lot of avenues for people in places they never thought they could go before. Well, I have never used tokenization. I mean, at least in the sense that we're using it today in terms of the blockchain and what have you. I mean, all of our currency is tokenization, essentially. I mean, a dollar bill has never had any value in and of itself. So it's always, I mean, it's always been a tokenization. And it's the same thing with gold and silver. It's just a token of what we think something should be worth. So it isn't that big a stretch. And yet the way that tokenization works is a totally different concept than what we have been used to. Mm -hmm. And assigning a specific token to nothing but a digital signal is a little bit frightening in some respects. And yet, as, as I think about it, very few people are exchanging goods and services with dollar bills anymore. Most people go into the grocery store and they have a credit card and that's a tokenization, essentially. But it's not quite the same thing as we are talking about in terms of tokenization. So what's the difference between going into the grocery store, putting your card in the card reader and purchasing your groceries and purchasing a piece of property with an electronic token? My, my explanation is not going to be very tech. We have a lot of <laughs> background as well as the tech side, but I'll explain the way that I could, could give a real world example. You know, when you're using your credit card in the grocery store or you're conducting any business transaction, 
let's say with mortgage, uh, because I'm a loan officer here in the States as well. You know, there's a lot of third parties that are involved in it. You have to deal with title insurance. You have to deal with escrow in the grocery store. You're dealing with the banks. You're dealing with the automatic clearing houses. So there's a lot of processes along the way. That's how our system is set up. And with blockchain, you're able to actually reduce the amount of people involved in the middle. And it's actually everything can be reported on the blockchain. And so because of that, it allows for faster processing time. And at the end of the day, once things you know work out, it will be actually a much more cost-effective way of doing things as well. But because it is so new, there are a lot of rules and regulations that are coming into play constantly right now. So that is the best we can, but we make sure we watch. And we, of course, we have our attorneys and our strategy team advising us along the way as well, to making sure that we adjust everything uh, so that we are aligned with all the rules and regulations. But, you know, investing in tokenization itself, you know, like you said, things before are backed with something that's not there physically. It's just all digital assets. With tokenization, it's taking that same technology, but now we're attaching it to a real world asset. And I think that's a great avenue for people who aren't familiar with it. Having conversations with people, we talk about cryptocurrency. They say, well, I don't really understand Bitcoin. I don't know how this would ever work. What is it backed by? What are NFTs backed by? I don't understand it. And I say, we're using the technology that they use, but we're using it and we're backing it up with something that you can see, touch and feel. So our project that we're tokenizing has been there since 2014. We have all the financials in place. You know, we have a full history. We've had appraisals done during COVID time and we've had um, our projection models actually pushed out as well. So when people want to come and invest in a secure token, they can come in, they can review the financials and they can see if they like the terms and the returns. Now, if it works out well, then they invest using this new technology and they receive a token. The token will then offer you a percentage of profits, essentially. And so by owning a certain number of tokens every quarter, you get your dividends and that's deposited directly to their wallet. So it's just a, a very streamlined way of making an investment, almost like buying a share of a company, essentially. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, that it sounds kind of similar to a stock certificate in in some regards, but it's not traded on a stock market. And also, it isn't, and a stock certificate is just like a check. It has no value in and of itself. But what you're doing is you're tying this to this token to an actual hard, solid asset. And so it is not going to have the volatility uh, that uh, that a stock is going to have. Correct. What's nice is that's the first step is creating the token, issuing the token to the investor. And of course, after a year holding, we are actually in work with setting up with a, a trading platform for the secondary market. So people will be able to actually sell their tokens on a secondary market without the whole project having to be sold like a traditional REIT, for example. You know, if you own 50% of a property, you generate the property needs to be sold before you get your funds out. With this one, you're actually able to sell your tokens on a secondary market as well. So the project doesn't have to be sold in full. You can actually exit your entire position or portion of your position. That'll be a huge advantage over what we currently have in terms of most uh, real estate investments. I mean, this is very new to real estate. How do you see tokenization actually changing uh, the real estate market? I always go back to the two key terms, accessibility and transparency. People generally are comfortable with investing in things they're familiar with. You say, for example, for me, I want to buy a office space in Washington state, or I want to buy a home in Washington state. I want to keep it as a rental. It's familiar. But even going from Washington state to say, let's say North Carolina, 
if I want to buy a property in North Carolina, I have no idea what the market is out there. And that's still within the United States. So I wouldn't know what neighborhood to look at. I wouldn't know who I would contact necessarily off the bat. It takes some, some work, but you know, we have the internet, you know, we can have search engines. We can call some people maybe in the region that I know, but now you take that and you say, Oh, I want to invest in Asia. I want to invest in Europe. I want to invest somewhere else outside of the States. That search becomes immensely harder if you're unfamiliar with people. And having the blockchain there, it's going to allow people to now go into certain platforms and see these type of investments available, know that they've been vetted out. And it's going to open up accessibility to a lot of investors that never had it before. And the transparency that comes along with it is going to provide the confidence that's needed for people to invest in these non-traditional types. And it's just going to be very interesting once things open up completely. It'll take some time for implementation for sure, but it's definitely leading in that direction. I still think it'll be a hybrid for a little while, but you know, we want to be a trendsetter. That's what we've always done. Mm-hmm. We were at the forefront of a lot of things and we're continuing to do in that, uh, continuing to do that, move in that direction. Yeah, it is going to to be interesting. I mean, it's interesting how change has come about. I mean, there's change in culture, change in perceptions, and all of those things have to come about before we really see uh, any kind of sea change. But, you know, once people start seeing these and, and are involved in one or two transactions like this, I could see this snowballing in probably the next five. And certainly, by I think within the next 10 years, we're going to this may be the the predominant means of exchanging properties. We'll see. <laughs> but I, I definitely see the potential. Not only are we looking at this project, you know, we have other projects in the pipeline that we want to apply it to. And Cambodia being the size of country that it is, we do know other developers in there. And we are the first. And they're all interested to see how this turns out. And they're just kind of waiting on the sidelines to say, are you going to score? If you can make this happen, then you know we're ready to go right there with you. So if there's that much excitement just from one region, I, I think it's going definitely going to be a worldwide event. Well, tell us about what are the the major benefits in investing, not just in Cambodia, but in Southeast Asia? I think the biggest advantage is that generally price points are a little bit easier to get into. Project sizes, depending on the country you're in, they're going to be a little bit more affordable in some regions. There are definitely some luxury areas that are going to be expensive, just like the stateside, but opportunities are there. And I think the biggest thing is that a lot, some of the regions, specifically Cambodia, it's still developing. It's an emerging economy. And that is going to be where generally a very good margin is going to be available to people. If you go to a normal property and you buy and then you rent it, you'll make, you'll make a return for sure. With the rates as they are right now, you might break even if you're lucky <laughs> after your monthly payment. But, you know, there is more opportunity for people to see a larger investment return. For example, I believe the bank right now on a fixed deposit in Cambodia is paying around 7%, which is very good for the region. So just that in itself, you can kind of see the difference right there. And I think positioning yourself with people that are familiar with the Western style of doing business, yet understand the local culture and how to maneuver in the region is very important as well. And there is a big benefit if you can invest with the correct people. I know people that have come into Cambodia that have tried to do business and they were connected with not the right people. They couldn't get a business license started. They had trouble finding, you know, the owner of the land they wanted to purchase, things like that. They couldn't get title transferred. You know, by the time they sent over our way through different people, we got it done for them very quickly. And at 
a normal price range. There's definitely some risk if you are not working with the correct people, but we have done everything we can to make sure that our process is very clean, very straightforward, and um, very transparent. So we pride ourselves in that for sure. So who is financing these projects in Cambodia? Is it uh, Cambodia banks? Is it international banks? Or or is it U.S. banks that are the financers? There's some private equities that are out there right now. We do have a couple of local banks as well that are financing. There's some from Malaysia that are financing as well. Singapore investors from China are definitely there as well. Um, Cambodia definitely has a lot of foreign interest in there. The Silvertown is actually known for having a lot of people that are staying from out of country. So we have, you know, people from the embassy, we have business owners, they have, they host their guests there as well. And so it, it creates a, a melting pot of investors, essentially, which has been great for us. And so we, we love the fact that everyone's coming in, they're interested, and it goes both ways. We've got a chance to fly out to Singapore, to Vietnam, to Laos, kind of check out different potential properties in the future and different projects. Um, we're mainly based in Cambodia right now, but we do look to expand in the future. Well, what are the major disadvantages to investing in Southeast Asia? I think the major disadvantage, of course, is like any emerging economy, you want stability to be for sure. And that's going to be key. And understanding the environment and the risk of that is going to be important. So you want to make sure that stability is there. You want to make sure that you're working with the correct people. For example, fees aren't published on online for services for a lot of things. And so if you go to the correct person, you pay the correct fee. You go to the wrong person, you might not be paying the right fee. So I think knowing who you're working with is very important. And if you don't have anywhere to cross-check the information that's given to you, I think that could be a very big disadvantage to somebody as well. So not understanding the market, not understanding how um, things are processed is a big disadvantage. Uh, For example, home sales in the States, funds are put into escrow account once all the conditions are met, funds are then released. Cambodia doesn't really have an escrow account right now currently. Uh, we've kind of brought the idea of it into place and we do things with lawyer teams, but it's slowly starting to get there right now. Now escrows are done by certain banks. They offer that service. And so that's been fairly new in the last few years. So those are definitely some of the disadvantages of not knowing 100% of the business. Cambodia specifically, foreigners can't own more than 49%. They can't own landed property. And having the right business partner there, again, is going to be important to make sure you structure your transactions correctly so you do maintain your rights as an investor. Yeah, so uh, yeah, it would be kind of scary not having a majority say in your business. So it would be really important to have a local connection there, I would think. Well, Sonora, tell us about your company and how it is that investors can get in touch with you to take advantage of your investment opportunities. Definitely. So I'm on LinkedIn and of course, hopefully the profile is there. They can always message me, reach by email as well. And then uh, for the tokenization aspect, of course, you can go to nakitokens.com, take a look there. There's a video where you can kind of see our story and who we are. And uh, you can actually register there and send emails for information. So I'm available through any of those avenues and any way that wants to reach out, we're more than happy to have a discussion. Well, wonderful. And all of that information, of course, will be in our show notes. And looks like some wonderful opportunities in an emerging market, which are always come with some risk, but generally with wonderful returns on investments. So Enlightened Investors, delighted to have been with you again today. Look forward to being with you in our next episode. Sonora, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Al. 
Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steve Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steve Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at stevetalker.com.